Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 125. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the acclaimed and talented comic creator of Plague Doctor Press, Mark Bell. Mark. Thank you so much. It's uh, awesome to be here, Barney. Uh, I think that uh, 125 episodes, I know what that's like. I know the work that goes into that, so uh, that that is something to be celebrated right away. Right, and you were just talking before we went on the air. You were mentioning that you do you have a podcast. Uh, one of your other one of your other many hats you wear is uh, you do a review podcast about uh, was it Midsummer Midsummer Murders? Midsummer Murders. It's a British television show on ITV, and we, uh, my wife and I, do a, a recap of that show. Every week we do like an, a 90 minutes or so on it, on each of the episodes, uh, and it comes out weekly. So. Wow, man, that's exciting. Yeah, and that's a, and so yeah, you, 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 you're, uh, you're known very well how to get the audio correct and everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're, I'm, I'm glad that you sound crystal clear on, on, on right now. So that's good. So, well, <laughs> Like with the work I do in my regular day job, most people don't have decent mics <laughs> or <laughs> setups or things like that for them to do uh, Zoom meetings. So I'm always, everybody's always like, you sound so good in the Zoom meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, right now you got uh, a Kickstarter going on about, about a yeah, couple weeks so on it. I... I apparently am a glutton for punishment. Uh, <laughs> after releasing eight episodes of the podcast in October alone, we did four <laughs> regular episodes and four minis because uh, we had new episodes to talk about. Uh, I released a started a Kickstarter in November for our second issue of Spirit, which is a uh, all female team of scientific investigators. Uh, that I started, uh, gosh, 2018 wow. with uh, Melissa Caprileone, uh, who does amazing artwork. I'm so pleased to have got her as my artist. And she's actually been picked up to do a Dark Horse um, graphic novel. She's working on it right now, which mixes magic and cooking school and all sorts of awesome things on top of it. Uh, and she loves spirits, so she loved the idea. So uh, she's back for issue number two and for the foreseeable future as well. So issue one came out. Uh, we did the Kickstarter two years ago, roughly. And then, uh, you know, this thing happened, <laughs> which delayed everything, uh, delayed the printing, delayed all the the uh, situation for us. Uh, issue number one um but we're back with issue number two now and uh our kickstarter is about we have about two weeks left and we're over 80 percent now i think we're gonna fund uh lots of people have shown a lot of great interest and we've been just so thankful for all the people who uh, who uh agree with us that um 
though there is nothing wrong with Batman comics, and I will I will read Batman comics till I die. Uh, there are not enough female-led uh, comics. There are not mm. enough uh, people of color-led comics, and not enough LGBTQ people in comics. Right. And so we are always promoting that diversity it's not that those other comics are bad i i spent a lot of money at the comic book store uh but i was reading through previews and i wasn't seeing anybody like the kids that i in my family i wasn't seeing anybody like the kids i was teaching at that point in time and there are voices and stories there that are interesting that haven't been told that aren't only, you know, two guys who have anger issues beat each other up and then that's the end of their conflict. I wanted right. it to be very pro-scientific, pro-female, pro-diversity. And also, you know, um, Alan Moore is a huge influence it's weird. I write kids comics, but Alan Moore is a huge influence. <laughs> and, you know, he he's the first guy with the Tom Strong books that was like, not everything has to end with a big fight, even right. if you're a big muscular hero. Yeah. You know, those, those solutions uh, are, are gained through communication and the first issue, there's a miscommunication that's solved by the team members uh, that helps uh, settle a situation which is supernatural. And in the new uh, issue, Familia, uh, we also uh, use communication and information to not defeat the protagonist, but there's, there's a conflict that happens um, because of... Uh, an issue that I take pretty personally, which is people who who purport to be psychics, hmm. um, you know, uh, especially people who are out to make money from this. Right. If you have psychic visions and you believe them, that's your little red wagon, then that's fantastic. But if you use that as a reason to take money from people, I'm not too happy with you. Right. And in addition, this second issue uh, is called Familia because it's also heavily Latinx uh, uh, influenced as well. The, one of the main characters is Latin, as well as uh, the sort of whole sub. Uh, the whole main plot is about that culture and uh, people around that culture, and so. We wanted to both celebrate and show that there are stories in that culture that are new and interesting to be told too. So, give people, uh, give the listeners and the and the viewers just a, a, a bit of a background on on spirit because I see that it's like there's points. Is this does it actually is it stands for something? Yes. So spirit stands for scientific paranormal incident research investigation team. Wow. Okay. So. I wanted to call it spirit. I can't call it spirit without dots because, geez, you know, Will Eisner's got the spirit down. And I don't <laughs> have any problems with the Eisner family because they're they. Will Eisner is absolutely genius and and 
I, I wanted to separate it from that, but I just love that word. That's such a great word. It's right. like dark. Dark yeah. is a great word. It just goes, it can, it can mean all sorts of different things. So that's, that's why it's called spirit. And essentially there are a group of uh, high school young women who run a YouTube channel that debunks supernatural things. Okay. So they film episodes in which they, go out to graveyards say for instance and say oh if you do this you're supposed to see a spirit well that's what happens in the first issue and they drive away and they say oh of course not there's no spirit but then they don't notice that there's actually a ghost there and there's actual supernatural things going on and so they're throughout the first issue and the second issue they're faced with this notion that they are concretely believing in science and yet there are supernatural things happening around them that they can't explain. And instead of being afraid of it, instead of being outright dismissive of it, they're like, let's explore this. Let's see what is actually going on here in a way to, to understand it more rather than just not just dismiss it. Hmm. Because as as the writer for this, you wrote these. You were so. Do you you wanted to be explicit in actually separating the science and the supernatural from that, and not doing like the like a Scooby Doo thing where everything can be explained away? Well, so this this is my mindset. My mindset is there is nothing supernatural in the world to me, and I and I have I have read every book. I bought every UFO videotape. I bought the alien autopsy videotape. I went looking for Sasquatch. I did it all. I explored everything I could. And in the world of fiction, the supernatural becomes that metaphor of things that we might not be able to explain right away. Hmm. And so... In a comic book, you can have a guy who flies or runs around the world in five seconds or, you know, travels to distant galaxies. That is available. And because that's available in fiction, I think you should, uh, you know, there is a group, there is a stream of people who like to read things about normal people doing normal things. Mm. And that is fantastic. But I am not one of those people. I want to see abnormal things with abnormal people. Right. So because of that, uh, in this, it, I wanted it to be kind of a supernatural Scooby-Doo where they're like, wow, that's a ghost and we can't explain it. And it's not a guy in a costume. Right. That just happened. And the, the picture you're showing right now is from issue one where they are this is a full page presentation of a event that they can't handle. <laughs> and, and what's interesting to me is then the different characters have different reactions to it. Right. And uh, because of that, I wanted to explore those supernatural things in the sense that in the second issue, without giving a lot of it away, they use supernatural to expose people pretending to be supernatural. 
So because of that, it's, you know, it's kind of reverse Scooby-Doo, but I, you know, I, I wanted uh, each issue to be self-contained. I originally approached uh, Melissa. I had grand designs. If you know anybody who does Kickstarters and does comics on Kickstarters, their first ideas are usually like, I'm going to do 50 issues or a graphic novel or, you know, and I wrote a whole 120 page graphic novel for the first story. (laughs) And I realized that that was going to be a $30,000 Kickstarter. And that was probably not a good idea to do on your first Kickstarter, you know, maybe, right. (laughs) Maybe I should start small. And I got some good advice from a couple of really good editors who said it should be a self-contained story. You can sell that on Kickstarter. And now with the second issue, it's also self-contained. So I have plans still for uh, five issues of the first set before we do a graphic novel. But um, I like the idea of self-contained. It, it it means I have to solve the problem in 32 pages. And that's right. all I've got. So, so we had some uh, a viewer, just uh, uh, Andrew Love, just said, he, I'm a backer. Excellent. Thank you so much, Andrew. And he says, keep doing what you're doing. Oh, so absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, a- anybody who backs like this is, I can't stress this enough that this happened to me this weekend. I went to my local comic book shop on Saturday because I support the local comic book shop. It was small business Saturday. So I wanted to go in and spend some money at my local shop. Because those people lived through the 90s. You know, my my comic book shop is 30 years old. They lived through the 90s. They're, they went through the early 2000s where nobody was buying comics. And now they're having a resurgence because more families and more kids and more women and more people of color in the comic book shop than ever before. And they're right on the very front shelf of their shop is my book that you can go in and buy and that you know that that makes a little 11 year old mark pretty happy (laughs) and so anybody who backs the kickstarter i'm just you know you're making my dreams come true and in terms of melissa uh the artist she is working full-time as an artist because of projects like spirit and she is the hustle and the professionalism that she is. She wanted to do comics and she's a woman making her living doing comics. And she's also an Indiana. So you two know each other like in person. Yes. She's in Fort Wayne, but I didn't know that when I wow. first okay. contacted her, I wrote the, I, so I had the idea that I was going to kickstart a comic because my artwork, uh, I've tried to learn how to draw <laughs> <laughs> several times. And I was like, okay, if I'm ever going to do a comic, I'm going to have to hire somebody. And it's very important to me that artists get paid. So if I'm going to pay an artist, I'm going to have to kickstart it and get some money somehow. Right. There's just no other way. And the first thing an artist is going to do is say, what do you have a script? So yeah. I wrote it first 
And while I was writing it, I was doing lots of research and to um, how Kickstarters work. Because if anybody's thinking about a Kickstarter or is on the edge about whether to do one or not, do all your research and do your due diligence. Mm. It it made all the difference in my success of the first Kickstarter and hopeful success. I think we're probably going to get there on the second Kickstarter. So, so I had this script, I'm going through all these Kickstarters and I see an image of a ghost figure in sort of 19th century dress with that blue glow around her. And I'm like, that's, that's what's in my head. And I'm, so I'm like, okay, I got to talk to this artist. First of all, I'm going to be up front and be like, I'm going to pay you because it's, it's so tough for artists. Right. So I, we laugh at this now, but I must've, it took me like three days to write this letter. Cause I was <laughs> like, I can't have her say no. I have to be like, the exact thing so that she gets interested in this project. And then we start talking. She's like, Oh, this sounds great. And send me the script. And wow, that's long. We should maybe do an issue or something. And then she's like, just offhanded one day said she was in Fort Wayne. And I'm like, I'm in Bloomington. We're like two and a half hours away from each other. So because of that, we can do things like Indie Comic Con together and she's been down to the house and I've been up to her place and things like that. And, and you know, it's nice that we do that, but it's also nice that um, for this project, and this is something that we haven't mentioned, um, I'm also doing a series of postcards with the spirit characters with Latinx artists. And we have uh, women from all over the world doing artwork for these postcards, including Argentina and all over the U.S., uh, who they're women who from Latin culture who uh, will be doing the spirit characters because we wanted to to embrace that side, and right. and I think that's a fantastic ad for the Kickstarters. You get you get. Not only the characters in the book, but if you choose to, you can back at a level and get all those. Because I love that. I love seeing characters in different ways and different by different artists. Mm -hmm. And and this is a way to promote those uh, artists: Danny Sanchez, Maddie Gonzalez, uh, Mari Davalos, and um, Chelsea. Oh, what is Chelsea? Race. Reyes, yes. Reyes. And they all do fantastic work that is all completely different. And they're all getting paid. No, whether or not we get the funding or not, that's I'm you know, I'll take that hit to fund female comic artists, right? Uh, who are doing postcards for me because uh, all the work already that I've seen is beautiful. So mm -hmm. I'm just I can't wait to show those postcards off also. So talk to us a bit about, as you mentioned earlier, what were, with your success for issue number one, your successful funding of issue number one, um, on your way to get funded for issue number two, when you mentioned earlier, what would be some of that, what was some of that advice you got when you said doing, doing your due diligence on how to have, do a successful Kickstarter? 
What was one of those pieces of advice that just you were like, wow, I never even thought of that. Thank you. That's a great piece of advice that you were able to utilize. The the biggest piece of advice for the first one that I got that I think made us in the end successful was to make it a complete thing. Mm. Like I'm selling these characters in a number of books. Absolutely. But if you get issue one or you get issue two, you pick up either one of these, you'll be able to, without, you know, pages and pages of backstory, be able to start that story and read it as a complete story. Right. And actually the first one has a little mini story in the back of it too. So that completeness means that your backers don't feel like they got something, right? right. They, they got a whole thing. And what you want to do is whet their appetite and be like, okay, I gave you a whole story, but it's just a small part of a bigger story. So yeah. if you want the bigger story, you got to keep coming back. But, you know, in a comic book shop, one thing that I think the big two, DC and Marvel, struggle with is if you come in at like, like what is Fantastic Four? Like 470 or some million high number. And you'll see this all the time on, on the covers of big three, uh, big two comic book uh, books, like part five of six. I'm like, well, then I'll just wait two months and finish that storyline. Then I'll start the next storyline. Right. And, and I wanted every one of our issues to be of the first five to be complete stories. And then depending on the success of that, hopefully uh, I'm going to do this. So this is, what I'm calling the junior year for the characters. This is their junior year of high school. Hmm. And then I, I'd like to do a graphic novel for their senior year, which will be a, a much uh, like a 64 or longer page story. So so when you, when you kind of wrote together, talk to us a bit about your, the process. So when you wrote issue one, and as you said, it was a complete story. Did you already have issue two plotted out and knew what that was going to be like? So like I mentioned before, I wrote a 120 page right. uh, uh, graphic novel with Axe <laughs> and I wrote, I, I planned out 120 pages. <laughs> it was, it was a lot bigger than issue one. <laughs> uh, and um, it was a really good exercise because instead of fighting with editors, I listened to them and listened to people who said, you need a complete story in your first issue. Right. And so I had to take, uh, and I did it over about three or four days. I took the major plot points from that story and put them in one 24 page story that has then there's another story that uh, Melissa wrote that is six pages. So the first issue is 32 pages too. But um, I had to kill some darlings. Oh man, did I have to kill some darlings? <laughs> I had a whole set piece in the third <laughs> act in, 
in an in an abandoned a sane asylum with water torture and like water uh therapy stuff and all this beautiful imagery yeah cut 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 um i saved it all i'll use parts of that somewhere you know um so i brought that down everybody seemed to like that that story i knew that the I wanted to do something with sort of pretend psychics in the second issue from that. um, Melissa and I had a good conversation about what do we want to do for the rest? And so we have three, four and five kind of planned out as topics. Hmm. And I have some character arcs that I haven't shared with Melissa yet that are going to be in there. Um, but, and then the, the larger work that I want to do for their senior year, I don't have anything planned for that yet. Um, um, but I tend to be pretty plot heavy and pretty, like, I always start with, uh, outline and I always do thumbnails and things like that. So when I hand the script over to Melissa, she gets not only, the whole script but she gets all the thumbnails that i have now working with melissa is great because she is she will be like what do you think about this or come back with something even better wow um and she is so great to collaborate with because she is fearless and courageous and yet also absolutely you know, warm and caring human being. So we have a great sort of interaction because of that, even though we're separated by, you know, 30 years of time and we couldn't be more different in certain some circumstances. Um, but I think we do a great job of collaborating that way. Um, in addition, I was doing at that time a web comic, which I'm going to go back to eventually, that I'm that I've interact sort of hired different artists for different issues of that. So, you know, learning that that interaction helps. I it's like I've read every book on writing comics there is. I think I have the, <laughs> I think I have the greatest collection of comic writing books in in Bloomington. Um, that's for sure. But I also have years of doing professional technical writing and being able to hear uh, what people are saying. And, you know, that teaching young writers like I have, that is a skill that takes time and it mm-hmm. takes a, an understanding of your ego. And you have to say, well, they like this and this and this and this, but they didn't like this. And three other people said they didn't like that. So even though I love it, maybe not the place for it. Right. And so wh- where did you find your 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 editors and your beta readers for your scripts? Well, the first, the first script, I mostly found people to read it on um, uh, – Melissa's Discord, which is a fantastic group of people mm. um, who are who are also like I am like this 
old gray-haired guy on a Discord with dozens of of uh, I don't I wouldn't call them kids because they're adults. Yeah. Um, but much younger people than me. <laughs> um, and I also uh, at that point in time I was working in a high school and I had a number of female high school readers read it for me too because they're they're the people who they're it's going to either ring true or ring false to them. Um, as well as in this, in this issue, we had, I had a whole family of Latina people read the issue and give feedback on it so that it would be culturally sensitive to them. Right. Yeah. And did you have, uh, you know, how much did you, so as you said, you, you kind of had readers who read it to see if it connected, but did you also have readers who were like editors in the sense of where they were saying? There was at least one person on yeah. Melissa's Discord who had had worked or was working as an editor that gave really good feedback. Yeah. Uh, with this second issue, we had some help with a small-time publishing company who uh, was involved with us and then is not no longer involved with us. And and they provided an editor who was fantastic. And so at what point, because of with the, for instance, the, the, the advice that you're given by having, just having a story that's kind of self-contained, is that still going to, because of like the, uh, the successes of like the issue one and issue two, do you still feel as though that you're going to still need that? I guess my question is since you are, you're, you've created a, a readership, at what point do you do they already know the stories are going to continue? I I understand and and I think five issues if we get there, which will right. be fantastic. I'll have five comics that are in full color that people can go into stores and buy. Like that's dream come true right there. And um, I do want to explore longer themes, you know, but I also kind of like the the rigid structure too okay right you know the the web comic that i write is six page issues and six pages you got to tell a whole story it hustles man zed you're talking about zed yeah. right yeah 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 so it it is a completely different thing that is like introduced given a conflict the conflict is solved and then it's off to the next right. one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and how much, so, so let me ask you too, is like how, how much did you get from, um, we mentioned before you got, we went on the air that you got a, a, I've never, a master's degree in digital storytelling. Yes. What so I have, is, I have an yeah. undergrad in, in English from a Canadian university, which is the equivalent of MIT in Canada. So I had a very technical uh, schooling, even though I had a, have an English literature degree. Uh, and then I worked in the software industry for, you know, it was 11 years, something like that, 12, 15 years, and decided I wanted to go back to school because Essentially, what I was doing is I was seeing news reports that were talking about the things I was interested in, which was digital storytelling and media and things like that. And I couldn't get to the articles because they were behind paywalls of universities. And I was like, 
this keeps happening. Maybe it's telling me something that I should go back to school. <laughs> so I went back to school and did a master's while I was working full time in digital storytelling, which the digital storytelling program at Ball State University is fantastic. There's some great professors there, two of which who I did my master's with. Uh, like they were students along with me. They, they do great work there. Um, and then after that, I started a PhD program at IU, but ended up just getting a master's because of life happening and things changing. I haven't even told you about the fact that I have four 20 year old children. So, <laughs> uh, so that's where I'm at now, but that sort of digital storytelling falls directly into the things I'm interested in now in, in what you can do in the medium and all sorts of things. So you know? what did you, what did you get? What, what, what was some of the information you're able to take from that master's degree that you're able to implement into uh, writing Zed and spirit? Well, certainly the more that you write and I I was writing different things than DVDs. I was writing, I did a uh, um, PS, the PlayStation Portable PSP, I think it was called. Okay. I did a web comic on there. Oh, wow. Um, so just an idea of uh, playing with space and page and panel. I'm, I'm very cognizant in these books of spirit that it's a book. So I'm very cognizant of that page turn right. so that you get that big moment, right? And have reworked. Like, so the page that you're showing now, clearly these characters are about to kiss, but what happens when they kiss is not what you expect. And that's a page turn right there. Right. So so I'm always interested in, in that formality of the book too um so i got from that masters how to understand your medium to tell stories better in that medium right. um you know in the perfect world all the writing teachers are going to tell you that you should come up with your story first and then decide which medium is best to tell that story well that works some of the time, but most of the time you're like, I want to make a comic book. Okay, how am I going to make a comic book? So, so you got to know your medium. And that's, you know, that's another Alan Mooreism that it, the more you read and look at his stuff, the more you realize that his stuff can't be done in any other medium. Hmm. And the way that time works in comics, the way that sound in a quiet medium right it, it is a it is a essentially silent medium which you must create sound out of in the reader's head mm. right as well as those visuals um to create what you're getting across is you know, that's the exciting thing about the medium for me and the thing that I'm always interested in, in doing. And this is a comic book for new readers, for readers who are 
maybe not your sort of 25 to 45 year old man <laughs> that goes into the comic book shop, which is not what the comic book shop is now, thankfully. Right. Um, but those people are always going to look at new things and look at new ways to tell the story that I'm always excited about, you know? And thankfully, Melissa is just fantastic visual storyteller. She is so much it, it working with her is a joy. I can, I can use shortcuts with her already and it just makes the whole process easier. So, so like looking at the page that we're looking at here of how it's the page is set up. Did you actually, uh, so, so for, for how much leeway did you, do you give Melissa in actually like the framing of it? Like this, like the innovation of this innovative look of how the, the, the bottom three panels are set up. So for her, I'm giving her for this page, like some pages, like, the pages that follow this and follow the people almost kissing have a lot of text that I've written out. Mm. Um, but like this page, I'm like, this person's here and they're feeling this, this person's here and they're feeling this. Okay. And these two people are talking here and there's this emotion to get across. Okay. Um, not, not necessarily what they're wearing or how they're sitting or, you know, she is so good at at understanding what I want from the characters, from all that we communicated at the very beginning. So, for example, long before we did Spirit One, we did a whole bunch of character designs for all the characters. Mm. And for one, one thing that I did, which I recommend any writer do with an artist they're working with, is we created Pinterest boards that were for each character. And I'm like, this and this and this person's hairstyle and this person's dress and this and this and this and this. And, and so then Melissa looks at that and this is the joy of collaboration to me. Melissa looks at that and picks completely different things that all feel the same though. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wow, this is completely surprising. And, you know, some things I'm like, well, this person has short hair and colored this way or things like this. But, like, Melissa has so much energy in what she does, and she brings so much energy to it. I never want to get in the way of that. Right. You know. And she knows... For example, that if I'm doing a splash page in the middle of the book, it's a big emotional thing. Okay, like yeah. that 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 presentation of the ghost in the in in that page. That's a that's a whole page. Right. Now that's not lettered. There's a little bit of lettering that goes on that, but that is like that is that moment where you're supposed to go, wow. I like bringing wow to the book. Right. <laughs> and wow yeah. is so great on that turn of the page. It was it was funny. I was I was watching a YouTube video today just about uh a couple of guys. I don't know if you know them or not. Um they do they do um readings of comics um 
Ed Piscor and Jim Rugg. They're okay. uh, cartoonist gay fame. And they are going through the issues of Watchmen one a month this year. And they're at 11. And they're younger guys. So they read Watchmen as a trade paperback. <laughs> Yeah. So when they got to the end of issue two, uh, issue 11, when the world is destroyed, spoiler, <laughs> for, for like a 30-year-old comic, um, they just turned the page and started the next issue. And I was like, I wrote in the comments that we were like gobsmacked when, <laughs> when we, we just didn't know what to do for a month. We were like, what, what is what is going to happen? What is going to happen? What is going to happen? <laughs> and all you do is, especially Watchmen and V for Vendetta and Dark Knight, those three books especially, is I must have read those books every day that month waiting right. for the next. Waiting one. for the next, yep. <laughs> so, so Mark, let's. I wanted to uh, go through some of your, your, your pledge levels just so people can see what they were able to get for for your levels here so um and it, are these pretty similar to what you had for spirit number one as well yeah um we didn't do t-shirts this time because uh to be honest i got a gift donation of t-shirts and uh printing of t-shirts from my work so i was like oh i'll throw that into the kickstarter <laughs> and i didn't have that this time and also, T-shirts are expensive to ship. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but, but if I could fit everything in an eight and a half by 11 envelope, it sure sends a lot easier. And I feel it it's safer. The right. packaging is safer. So I wanted that. So we, we have the book both in digital and print form. We have a catch-up for, for people who didn't back issue one. Um that is limited right now. Uh, but there's still copies left of issue one. Um, and don't, don't tell anybody. I'll, I'll, do, I'll give you a secret. I'm going to have to print another run of issue number one, which is just fantastic. The, to know that I'm going to have to do that. Right. It's just fantastic. Right. Um, because I'm going to go to, con I'm going to go to cons. Oh, thankfully I'm going to go to cons again. And, People will be like, oh, that's issue two. Where's issue one? And I'll be like, uh, I don't have any more. <laughs> like that doesn't sell. You gotta do, you gotta have everything. So there's a catch-up, a physical catch-up for issues one and two. Uh, there's a pin that Melissa's gonna design because she likes pins. Mm. Like a lot of this is like what Melissa likes to do. So we have the four postcards as well. Um Melissa's going to do another poster for us that is an image that hasn't been released yet, right? So we have all those available. And then we have the kind of special ones. Uh, the, the most expensive reward has already been taken from a great friend of ours. His daughter is going to appear in the comic. He's, she's so psyched about it, and he's so psyched about it. But we have a lot of crowd shots in this issue. So if you want all that merchandise, the postcards, the stick, uh, the the pins, sticker sets that we have, and uh, as well, you want to spend a little bit more, you can get your face in the book. So mm. 
Uh, as well as we are offering some commissions for uh, Melissa because she does great commissions. She So if you haven't seen it, it's every, I use it everywhere. I get a comments all the time on my uh, profile icon. Um, Melissa did that for me. And so she does great pictures of people that you can use for things like that. Or you're just like, uh, I want a picture of Batman. <laughs> you know, things like that. And and it's going to have her stamp on it. And I, I cannot stress enough that Melissa is like a shooting star that I am so glad I've gotten a hold of and is interested in helping out doing what I'm doing because she is going to take off. Well, she's already taken off. She, she hit 16,000 subscribers on Twitter the other day. And before I could thank her, she already had 20,000. Wow. Yeah. So, and this is before her dark horse book comes out. So when her dark horse book comes out, she's going to just take off. So having original artwork by her is going to be, you know, something special. Absolutely. So, and that's the, and that's the hundred dollar, the hundred dollar pledge. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. As you, and then, like I said, a lot of these things are really, it's a, you're really well priced on, on this stuff. For instance, like your, all the merch for spirit number two for 60 bucks. That's a great postcard sets that you mentioned earlier. Yep. Poster, your name and issue number two, a pin, uh, sticker sets. That's, well, yeah. one, I want to go back to an earlier question you asked me about something I learned that helped me be a successful Kickstarter. And I want to add to that. You don't go into independent comics to make money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in making money. Don't have to make money. I try to make these as affordable as possible right. for people so that like I literally do the writing and the lettering and don't cover those costs right. in the in the work. Like that is work that I give because I'm passionate for it. But the artists who do work on this project get paid their full rate right. that that we that we've negotiated. You know, um, I'm paying Melissa's current rate and the postcard artists are getting uh, an amount that they completely agreed with. So, um, you know, that that to me is far more important and it's far more important for not to be terribly blunt, but middle class, rich white guys to pay artists for their work. It's important that people see people doing that. Right. Yeah. You know, it just should be a thing that it shouldn't even be a question. Right. You know, it it is that that whole notion of, well, you're doing it for the exposure is just it's it's gross to me. Right. Because you had the other good news is that you have here your 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 the your your catch up pledges are actually showing you new readers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, we're getting new readers, which is fantastic, and that you know that's why we do things like this. There are people who are all through your network, 
that haven't heard about this, mm. that now have heard about this. Will I get a pledge from everybody? Will I get a pledge from everybody? <laughs> I actually <laughs> love a pledge from everybody, but I understand I understand that you have to play the networks in, in Kickstarter. There's right. Melissa's networks. There's all my networks. There's my professional and my personal networks. All those networks has to be touched. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but you need to be like, hey, I'm doing this thing because I believe in it. And if you have, you know, 60 bucks lying around, sure it would help me out. And, you know, it gets more young women reading comics, which I think is fantastic. Right. You know, I I have a number of pictures of young women reading spirit and that oh that that's hard stuff too right there right yeah so we are knocking on the hour mark already mark so i ju- i just want to say in addition melissa is going to be at emerald con this weekend in seattle okay and she's going to be at e2c2 uh on in chicago stop by her table and see her um I'd love for you to pledge before you go see her. But if you do want to talk to her, she has a QR cord sign right there on her table for you to pledge right away. She may give you a little something special. (laughs) So just as an incentive, if you're already going to uh, Emerald Con or C2E2, uh, pay attention for Melissa. At at least one of the postcard artists is going to be there at that kind at C2E2 as well. So. Okay. And people can find you at, uh, is it plaguedoctorpress.com? Plaguedoctorpress.com. Okay. And that's where you can see uh, you got Zed is on there. Yep. Uh, everything to do with, you got your a good products Stickers, page. So people can. Buttons and all sorts of stuff. Right. You can get there. Perfect. All right. Yep. And check you out on, uh, uh, check you out on Twitter we're on and also Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on uh, Twitter. Twitter. We're on all the so you know having a a wife who's a social media marketing professor kind of helps knowing how to do all this stuff. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, great. So yeah, Mark, come back on for issue number three, or when you're gonna get, or when you get uh, Zed. Uh, I think uh, I think I'm gonna try to do an anthology in the spring. Okay, cool. Um, I have a sneaky idea that I think Melissa is gonna love for an anthology, and then we'll be back in fall of 2022 with Spirit Number Three. Wow! What I'm hoping is to do it every fall for the next couple of years, and then do the the larger work after that. No. Excellent. And we just had uh, Greg Giordano said pledged and from an artist. Thank you for your support. So oh, thank you, Gregory. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, artists deserve to be paid. I say it everywhere as loud as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mark. And uh thanks and- so much for having me, Barney. And you know, I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts and you do a great you're doing great work here. Keep it up. And I will gladly come on again and uh, talk to you about my Kickstarters and products. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you very much. (laughs) Okay. Have a good night.
Where you said you do that? You you do you have a podcast too? Is that what you said? Yeah. So my wife and I have a podcast. We do uh, uh, a recap podcast of a British television show called Midsummer Murders. Oh, cool. So we have 106 episodes of that done. Wow. So. Yeah. I can't, I love the Brit. I, I subscribe. I, um, Amazon had that uh, Brit box. Or is it, I can't remember like this. I started watching like Only Fools and Horses and some of these old yep. like 70s and 80s because I fell in love with um, Faulty Towers and trying yeah. to find, re, rediscover that spark that I liked about that. And I, been hard to try to find a show that was like that but. well midsummer murders is like your prototypical cozy murder show okay. there's nothing too violent there's nothing too gory there's nothing too sad everybody makes a little joke it's it's very light yeah um and the the issue we have is most recap podcasts like x-files or you know, Twin Peaks, the shows are long gone. And the problem with Midsummer is they're still making them. <laughs> so we're almost caught up to live, but we're going to change the show once we get to live. And then, uh, but we'll always come back to that show and keep doing recaps when they release new episodes. There are oh, wow. 23 seasons now. Really? Yeah, there's... 133 36 episodes so. wow okay and so you're just trying to catch up so do you do like a is it like a is, a, is there like a, do you do it live or it's all pre-recorded it's just you and your wife chatting or it's all pre-recorded we do about two hours a week which means i watch the episode twice in the week and uh we record for two hours and then i edit it and get it out all in the same week Wow. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> I I have a very tight window and a very good editing um, process. 